Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Before we begin, here's some really fantastic podcasts that you should listen to. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gaze in the Woods, an Upford Network podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. Super, super excited about my next guest. They are going to introduce themselves and all their fabulosity. Take it away. <laughs> Hi, Anthony. I'm, my name is Danny. I'm the artist behind Queer Ivy Art. Um, my pronouns are they, them, and Fay Fair currently. They keep changing, so we'll see. But um, yeah, I've been doing art on Instagram since, well, officially since like November when my girlfriend got me an iPad and I was like, oh, now I can do art because I'm disabled and sitting at my desk, I, I can't I can't sit at my desk most of the time. So even though I've been doing art for years, it just wasn't possible with like the the amount of energy I have. So being able to lay in bed, even on my bad days and do art on my iPad has changed, changed everything. Um, so now I post like queer affirming art daily on Instagram and it's been really good. I've been able to connect with so many queer people and so many people being like, feeling like my art is affirming them, which has felt amazing because <laughs> I wish I'd had that a year or two ago when I was realizing I was queer because like, it, yeah. it can be very isolating. 100%. Social media, <laughs> social media is really, really good for all of that. I mean, that's that's the best thing about social media. Yes, there's trolls, as you know. So um, many. <laughs> uh, but I always say they literally have to seek you out. They have yes. to make a point to find anything that's queer um, and, and say something. So therefore, their life is not great. Oh, no. You no, know, and, uh, <laughs> and that's all you can say because like I mean I usually don't talk to them I delete them if it's like coming at people like I know if they someone came at you then I would start a whole conversation so anyone in my like commu- the community or like you know I'm like no 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 but for me I mean listen 
I've been called yeah. a molester. I've been molested. I should die. I should hang myself. You know, all those things. And I don't really care because I'm like, what, what went wrong? God, yeah. What went wrong? Well, I mean, honestly, the haters are just like, you can't take it personally because it's their own self-hate coming out. Yeah. Oh, Somebody who loves themselves is not going to go around spewing hatred at other people. So it's right. definitely projection. Um, I agree. I don't engage them. I just ban them on site. Um, they like to mob my Facebook profile. So I've had to hire a bunch of moderators, which has been very good for my mental health. Cause I don't have to see everything they write. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lack of self-love and it's not like they do hate me, but they more hate themselves and they're projecting that on me. Correct. Cause they don't know me. Well, and you get to be your authentic self actually. And they are, they don't. Yes, exactly. Um, what made you, what, how long have you been doing art? Um, basically my whole life, I tried to make it a business several times. Like as a kid, I had like a little polymer clay Etsy shop. Um, but I, it always died out cause I didn't have a purpose behind it. It was just kind of like, I drew something, I guess I'll post it. Um, but then when I got my iPad, um, I, had, I was already out as queer. I was already, um, involving myself in those communities and so I was like you know what I'll just draw art about my own experience and um that has been very fulfilling and I actually have content that I'm excited about now that I can produce on a daily basis without being like what am I gonna post <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna post well that's the thing so. and that's what I'd, I I mad props to people that do all those other things with the social media with like their shirts off and just dancing that is not <laughs> that is not a purpose for me I can't I can't gravitate towards that. I need to like post purpose. I need to have, uh, give a voice so people can see it. And I finally joined TikTok. Um, that's an interesting world. Uh, however, it's really exciting too, because I do post a lot of my friends' artwork that's all queer based. And people like a lot of teens, because queer youth, they really, really gravitate towards that. Like my niece is 13, going to be 13. And She's a lesbian and she was already out and she already knows herself. And she loves, 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 loves like stuff that like you do and like all the comic books and all that kind of stuff. And if they, cause they see their stories being told, they see that, oh my God, that's me. That wasn't enough of it back in the day, actually even like five years ago. So, um, so, all right. What was it like growing up? Where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up about an hour outside of Seattle, Washington. Um, which is kind of sad because I never got to experience Seattle, Washington as a queer person. Um, Cause I grew up in a cult. I um, was a very fundamentalist Christian cult. Um, oh, so girls wearing skirts, going to church. Girls couldn't have jobs. Girls couldn't cut their hair. Exactly. Yeah. I can't watch that show. Cause it's, it's not, it's, it's like a documentary. Oh God. <laughs> that would be extremely triggering. It's triggering for me and nothing like that's ever happened to me. Yeah. But. I can't. <laughs> but, but that's reality it's happening right now not to that extent but you know it's still happening yeah oh they're trying um oh i know yeah because like know. my cult was literally called the patriarchy they called it christian patriarchy and they owned that which now with the perspective i have after leaving is like i can't believe they actually claimed that but they did um yeah so yeah i had no idea i was queer as a kid and i knew i was different um mm -hmm. i'm also autistic so that also um contributes to being different but being non-binary trans pansexual is you know that all 
combine into a very strange child who didn't fit into the cult, even though I tried very hard. Um, of course you did, because it's the people that brought it's Well, first of all, it's your parents, right? And your mom and your dad. Yeah. So you yeah. want them to love you and accept you. That mm-hmm. is just what happens when a, ch- a, a woman has a baby and then mm-hmm. you get raised by them. You want to be accepted. And mm-hmm. when you're not, oh, God. <laughs> it's very traumatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was no other option. Like, I didn't know being queer was an option. I didn't know that trans people existed. So I just thought it was really hard for me to be a woman. I just thought these other girls are like so happy and content. Um, you know, raising their siblings and cleaning their dad's house until he finds a husband for them. Why isn't this easy for me? Um, I escaped when I was 22, I think. So like four years ago. And um, I escaped physically. I didn't escape like mentally from the cult until like a year or two ago. And um, I mean, it's been very traumatic. Right. It's been hard. Yeah. (laughs) Only four years ago, huh? Only four years ago. What yeah. was your out? I, I left accidentally. <laughs> okay. Um, some friends of mine, I had made internet friends, um, contrary to what my parents wanted me to, because I was a rebel. I made friends on Google Plus, which was the Facebook for homeschoolers, because, you know, Facebook was evil. So we did Google Plus instead. Mm-hmm. And um, I met some friends down in Alabama, and they ended up getting married, and um, they needed help raising their kids. Because, you know, when you get married very young, you with a lot of trauma, you end up with chronic illness and you can't raise all the millions of kids the cult wants you to have. Um, (laughs) So they're like, can you come down and help? And I'm the oldest of six. And I was like, get me out of here. Um, So I went down for quote unquote, two weeks, which ended up being forever. Um, After a a couple months of being there, helping them, I was like, man, it's really healthy not to be living under my parents' thumb. So I decided to stay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I decided to stay. And ever since then, I've been kind of, um, I was kind of couch surfing, just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I had no life skills. I didn't know how to do a job. I didn't know anything about, I never graduated school. I maybe got to like fifth grade before they stopped schooling me. I have no idea. Um, So like, I didn't have qualifications to be hired anywhere. It was very hard to find a job. Um, I never made above like seven fifty an hour. Um, so it's been very hard to like survive outside the cult. Um, but it's so much better. It's worth it. I felt so stuck. Yeah. You are, you are, are. I'm thriving now. It's, it's been really hard, but I'm thriving and it was so worth it. Like I felt so stuck. I felt like I had no future at my parents' house. Like I was, I was complying and I was being provided for. I didn't worry about food. I didn't worry about, you know, income, but I had, I had nothing to look forward to. It was every day, just cleaning up behind my siblings, raising my siblings, cooking meals, doing dishes. And that was it just day after day, waiting for some mythical man to come scoop me up so I could repeat the cycle as his wife. And that, that was no future. I I couldn't do that. So <laughs> I've risked homelessness. I've almost lived on the streets so many times. It's a miracle I haven't. Um, right. And I had so many opportunities to go back. Like I bought tickets to go back to my parents' house so many times since then. Cause like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was losing like the couch I was sleeping on the person, people who I would be staying with were like, we can't keep you here anymore, which is totally valid. You know, like 
I wasn't able to contribute. Um, so I would buy tickets or have my parents buy tickets. And then like at the last minute, I'd be like, I can't, I literally can't, I will not survive there. Like physically I will survive, but I will not survive. So I've chosen near homelessness so many times and it's been worth it. Like it's a miracle. <laughs> I got through it, but I did. Where, um, where do you work now? What do you do for, uh, do you make, do you sell your art? I do. Um, yeah, I'm disabled. I'm unable to work. Um, all those years of trauma caught up with me. I'm now very sick. Um, I had a hard time getting out of bed this morning. I'm currently leaning against a bunch of pillows in my daughter's closet. <laughs> um, so yeah, my only income is Queer Ivy Art. I have um, a website where I sell like shirts, prints, stickers. Um, we're going to have our first pride booth in next month in June, which I'm very excited for. Cause I actually get to meet people in person. <laughs> That'll yeah, be a first, awesome. but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I may, I make enough to pay some of the bills. My girlfriend has a job, so she's able to keep the rent while we build my business. Um, but I'm able to pay bills for the first time in my life That's with great. my art, which is amazing. Yeah. It's so fucking fantastic. <laughs> you have a it's daughter. Awesome. Is that what you said? Yeah, so my girlfriend has a five-year-old. Cool. Is she cool? Yeah. The kid? She's cool. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> she got a um she's gonna be with us at the booth. And so we got her one of my shirts and she picked a rainbow cat and she's like, I can't wait to go to Pride. I can't wait to go to Pride. Oh yeah, you're gonna sell stuff because of your daughter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They're gonna be like, oh yeah, I'll get that. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's so exciting. What pride is it? Uh it's Quincy Pride in Massachusetts. Oh, you're um, in Massachusetts. Like, yeah, I'm in Massachusetts oh, now. I'll be holding there. I'm from Worcester. Oh, oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll be there actually this weekend. Uh, for oh, Memorial. awesome. Yeah, for Memorial That's Day. That's awesome. My parents' 30th wedding anniversary. So That's really cool. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. Oh, quick, Boston, Massachusetts is great. It's so interesting though, The tra- okay, hear me out. The trajectory of your <laughs> life with The Handmaid's Tale, most of it takes place in Boston. That's where it take, takes place in Quincy and like in that area. Really? Yeah, they well that's, that's hilarious. What, that's what they show. That's where like it all kind of goes down. That's where they're all from. They're living in like Brookline. Like it's all these like this whole thing. And then it becomes, I had no idea. That's great. This crazy world. I know, and you're right there right now. Uh but Massachusetts is a fantastic state. Um it has a lot to offer. And Provincetown is great. We'll be there this summer. My husband's a drag queen, and so uh he has um the Golden Gays NYC is a Golden Girls musical parody group that they created and we tour we do cruise ships and stuff so that's my other half of my life and we'll be awesome we'll be in Provincetown in August the end of August so that sounds really cool yeah well I'm I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that your art probably helps you a lot um and uh what do you do you represent your trauma through your art or do you uh highlight it like do you make it better like do you create the other this other world that you're living in now do you keep that world or do you put the two together like you know what i mean like do you because some artists obviously paint in darkness and doom and and it's their life some don't some do you know i've seen your art i just don't i just want you to explain it physically to people so like that they understand my art is very affirming um very rarely do i go to the dark side. I do talk about the trauma a lot, like in my captions. Yeah, I've seen But that. the yeah, art yeah. itself is very positive. Um, I try to be very affirming and educational. Um, my art is either affirming trans, non-binary, queer people like me, or it's educating people about trans, non-binary, and queer people like me. 
Um, it kind of facilitates between the two, depending on how I'm feeling and how mad I am at the cis people that day. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. So like I, I, my art is not dark at all. Um, it comes from like, I try to be very trauma informed in my art. Um, like, especially with my background, just like trying to weave those complexities in and like, acknowledging that being queer is hard. And most of us don't have affirming families. Most of us have lost a lot or everything. Like I, I don't have a family anymore. I only have a chosen family. Um, and that's really hard, but the mm -hmm. fact that I, I have a chosen family, the fact that I get to be myself and not, I'm not stuck in that anymore. It's, 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 it's amazing. Even though the trauma is, is horrible <laughs> and it's, it's not easy, but. Because well, yeah, it's never going to go away. You know what I mean? It's, oh no, it's never going to go away. I mean, away. you can work through it better and better and better as the years go on, but it's never going to go away. I don't, yeah. people don't quite, I know it sounds funny, but people don't really understand that side of it. Oh PTSD, yeah. PTSD would have you, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, cause all of a sudden you could literally be months and months of nothing. And then one day something could trigger it. And like, boom like you're crying and you're like why am i crying oh i know why i'm crying because people are fucked <laughs> up in my life and that's yes. why i'm crying you know and uh and that's the stuff that people just don't talk about enough anymore at all really especially yeah. in america it's definitely um, not all sunshine yeah the no. trauma the trauma anniversaries are hard the little triggers that come out of nowhere are hard um i apologize for the dinging um but yeah it's it's not easy and I don't try to make it look easy because it's That's not being right. queer is very hard, but also we deserve to be here. Our identities are beautiful. And the fact that we claim who we are and choose to be ourselves, even though we're like constantly attacked for it, we're hated for it. It's, it's beautiful. And I want to celebrate that. Hell yeah. Unicorns all day. Sparkling. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I know I'm, it's because we're queer, but like the truth is it's literally what keeps the world moving. If this world was literally just cis white men, it would probably have already blown up. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Like it would not have, it's pretty close to blowing up, but it probably would have like blown up already. Cause it's that, that's how, that's how toxic and like, it's just fascinating how toxic it is. You even see it through on TikTok. Like if you swipe through TikTok, people are joking about things, but like, I don't joke about queerness. Like I don't, because there's so much, there's a lot of tragedy behind the fight, the queer liberation movement. Um, so I don't know someone's story until I have a conversation with them. And then maybe they can joke about it because it's their story. But I'm personally not going to take on the, the thing to joke about. And a lot of people yeah. do, and I, and I see that. And I, and I kind of think it's hurtful without them even knowing they're hurting someone, they're hurting someone because someone is using that toxic masculinity and all that crap that gets in the way um, against, um, even stays against the queer, like queer community. You know, it's just, oh, it's interesting. But, uh, well, okay, let's move on to inspiration since we're talking. What does inspire you? Like who, who inspires and what does inspire you? I mean, the queer community inspires me, honestly. Like I, when I first came out as queer, I didn't really have a community because I was just leaving the cult. And I was like, oh, there's probably a reason I find, I've always found women attractive. It's not, not everybody feels that way. I thought everybody did. I thought that was normal. Um, well, it is normal, but you know. Like straight girls don't do that though. <laughs> right. um, so like finding community, which right now is completely online because I'm disabled and we're in a pandemic. I haven't been able to get out and make local friends. 
Um, but like Facebook groups and just like seeing other queer people and how they're overcoming so much and being themselves, even though we're all so hated. Um, so like being in Facebook groups around other queer people is a huge inspiration to me because I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. And um, a person specifically who has encouraged me a lot has been Jeffrey Marsh. Um, their Instagram account has been so good for me. Like every time I get like anxiety or depression from all the haters who send me messages or leave comments, I just go to Jeffrey's page and watch some of their videos and like, okay, this isn't me problem. <laughs> this is, I can love myself even if other people don't love me. And even if I'm getting a lot of hate, I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of being celebrated. Um, if other people hate me, that's, that's their opinion of themselves that they're projecting on me. It's not about my actual worth. So no, not at that's all. Been I huge. Mean, they're just fucking assholes. <laughs> Fair. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you I know, agree. Like, like that's, and I, and I, I used to actually used to tiptoe around all of that. Like, Oh, there's this and this and I go, well, no, actually people are just fucking assholes. Like it's just, true. there's just, that's who they are. And they choose to say those things. They decide yeah. to say those things because they're, they're, they're based off of someone, someone said something to them or someone did something to them. So they're just going to say them. So it makes them feel better, but it doesn't. At the end yeah. Of the day. Um, do you, uh, do you take on any social justice work um, at all with, uh, or are you going to in the future? Do you want to take on any social justice work? Can you clarify what you mean by social justice? I mean, for queer rights, trans rights specifically, um, anything like, do you want to like, do, would you ever like, do you march? Do you go to parades? Or do you um, see yourself doing it through like social media? Like, cause that's how I like to do it. Yeah, I I mean, the, the idea that I see a lot online is that if you're not marching, if you're not at protests, if you're not doing things on the ground, you're just a, like a keyboard warrior or something, you're just performative. And that's actually very ableist because those of us who are disabled, we physically can't. Um, even if it's just a disability of like a mental illness, like anxiety, some people are so debilitatingly suffering from anxiety that they can't go out into a crowd and march. Um, people who are physically disabled can't go to a protest because if you have to run, they can't. And they're gonna be the ones abused by the cops. So um, it's definitely internet activism for me um, because I physically can't get out. I would love to get involved with like mutual aid. I wanna start or participate in a, like, a lo local mutual aid group and like help people who are in positions that I used to be in. Like food scarcity is not a joke. Being, having nothing is really hard. Um, so I'd like to get to that point if my disability ever allows me to currently surviving day to day is very hard. So the internet is basically all the active activism I'm able to do. Um, thankfully I've, I've built enough of a reach with my, with my Facebook and Instagram account that I can just publish a post and it can go viral and it can make a big difference. And people have messaged me a lot saying your art helped me change my perspective on this or your art introduced me to the concept of fat phobia. And now I'm like deconstructing my internalized fat phobia or I'm deconstructing my fat phobia against fat people. And um, so that's been really encouraging because I 
with capitalism, you know, you're taught that if you can't physically produce things, if you can't physically be productive, you're worthless. Um, and that's really hard to overcome, but just realizing that I am worthy regardless of whether I'm able to physically quote unquote contribute, I'm, I'm still worthy of being here. I'm still worthy of food. I'm still worthy of rest. I'm still worthy of just being loved and existing, even if I can't contribute. Um, so it's been a lot of relearning and unlearning <laughs> yeah. all those toxic things I was taught growing up. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Fuck capitalism, man. It's like so crazy when, um, yeah, we're so built on that. I mean, that's the way it was designed, you know, and everyone's like, but it's, there's not there's less of this. And I go, no, it's all the same. You know, I watch, um, you know, the real world on MTV, right? Never heard of it. <laughs> Are you being, are you joking? No, I'm serious. I'm a cult kid. I've never oh, seen Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the real, world, the real world is just a reality show. But it started in 1992. It was the first reality show to capture seven strangers living in an apartment and just to see what happens, right? And they got together for a reunion. Now, 30 years later, almost 30 years later. And they're, they're like, this is interesting because when we were in the house in 1992, Rodney King was beaten kicked and bruised and, and murdered 80 times like 80 80 kicks and whatever on camera and that person was tried and never went to jail and then we fast forward <laughs> 2021 george floyd you know and so like they're like it's interesting like not nothing's really changed the only difference i think i think now is that i think there is movement actually happening with all of that you know there actually is something that i feel is going to um because it's erupting right now you know yeah. So uh, I just, um, yeah, but oh, yeah, you wouldn't know the real world because you were, <laughs> you wouldn't watch, there's no way you would watch MTV. No, um, no. What did you watch television? Was it television allowed? Nope. No, like cool. there was like a few shows that I remember watching as a kid, but the older I got, the more conservative my parents got. So the older I got, the less I was exposed to. Um, so if you if you name a show or a movie, I probably haven't seen it unless I've seen it in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's like you're catching up. Yeah. Listen, the, that's horrible. You were in a cult, but a lot of the cultural things that you can get sucked into also are like poisonous. So it's kind of like this: like now you can create your own uh, universe, and it's like so beautiful. Um, yeah. And you can exist that way. And and uh, well, speaking of, it's a good segue. These keep happening. What brings you the most joy? Wow, that's I should have thought about that question beforehand. <laughs> Everything yeah, brings me joy. <laughs> Everything brings me joy. I I love I love like existing as a queer person. I love being able to create art about our community. I love I love my girlfriend and being able to live in a queer relationship that's healthy, that isn't a toxic abusive relationship. I love not being in the cult anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I've like, I have a little garden on the patio that brings me a lot of joy. Cause I'm able to just sit there with my plants and exist in the fresh air. And that's amazing. Cause I haven't had exposure to fresh air in like a year. Cause we just moved to this apartment that has a patio. Our last one didn't. And just being able to have access to sunshine and fresh air when I'm usually stuck in bed is amazing. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy the little things. I wouldn't say that there's one like big thing that brings me joy. I just, 
I just love life, honestly. <laughs> it's great. I enjoy the little things too. I really do. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but I really just enjoy like, for instance, waking up in the morning and eating breakfast, watching Adventure Time. So that's what I enjoy or doing my yoga in the morning, whatever I do. Uh, I actually just like those little things. I enjoy actually doing yard work. I really, I like doing it. I like picking weeds and I like planting flowers. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's grounding. Absolutely. And actually it's meditative because I get zoned out when I'm doing it and I don't think of anything else but what I'm doing. So it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, what a story you have. You could write a, you should write a book. You probably should write a book. People always say that and I probably should. Or illustrate a book, Not, you know, like a graphic novel, you know, or something that brings you more joy than just writing words on a paper. I don't know if that does bring you joy, but um, sometimes it's fun just to uh, see it too. I enjoy a good graphic novel and comic book um, more than anything. Uh, yeah. So, wow. I just, I'm taking in your story. It's just a fantastic story. It's a fantastical story um, of triumph and perseverance. And I think, uh, and I hope that you know that. I know you know it, but I really hope you know it. Cause like you're an inspiration to me and I just met you and the light that you actually shine up. I have a thing of an energy. I can't turn off energy. I don't, I can walk away from it, but I can't turn it off if it's in front of me. And uh, yours is like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty, pretty intense, uh, but like a good intense. Um, so I'm glad we connected. I found you literally on social media because you posted some it was art, art on my Quirting podcast so that got connected. Um, so I'm glad I did. So the one thing I love my guests to, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing your story welcome thank you for having me i appreciate it now what are some words of wisdom you could give my qt listeners my queer youth listeners wow um <laughs> i feel like an influencer if you ask me that i'm like i i'm not the person to ask that i'm i know nothing about anything um but everything, mm. everything. Oh, oh look at that thing that's good timing <laughs> that was perfect um just like I think what Aisha needed to hear as a younger kid or as a queer person who was just finding themselves was that what you were taught about yourself is not necessarily true and that you are a good person and who you are is good and you don't have to suppress and hate who you are, even though you were taught to or other people hate who you are and that there is space for your true self in the world, even if you don't feel that right now. Because I know a lot of teens and a lot of younger people are in situations where they can't, they can't be out. They can't be themselves. They can't, they can't own their identity. And it's really, it's really hard, especially when you know who you are and you can't express that because of abusive parents and you wouldn't, you, you would be unsafe if you came out. Um, and so just working on that self-love, I mean, even if you're just surviving, if you can like find space to learn self-compassion and just spend time with yourself and just tell yourself, I love you. I'm proud of you. I, you are good. That, that changed my life more than anything was just sitting with myself or looking in the mirror. If there was no other private space in the house and just looking in the bathroom mirror and being, I love you. I'm proud of you. It's going to be okay. And just hearing the words that you may never hear from your parents. You may never hear from people who are supposed to love you for who you are and celebrating yourself instead of like because sometimes you're the only person you have and that's really hard 
But if you never give up on yourself, at least you have one person in your corner. Truth to that. Truth, truth, truth. That, those are very good words. Say you know. Uh, you know, you know. And so now someone else knows it. That's all. Um, where can I find you? So I'm at Queer Every Art on all social media. I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I have like Twitter and TikTok. I mostly just shit post on TikTok because I have no energy and I'm not funny. Um, <laughs> Most people um, on TikTok are not funny, but that's okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'd love to be one of those entertaining and wonderful TikTokers. I'm really not. That's so much energy. It's so much energy. I don't have it. <laughs> Too introverted for that. Um, but I post every day on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and if you're in Massachusetts or New England, come to Quincy Pride. I will have a booth there. Um, I'm hoping to eventually tour multiple Pride festivals once the pandemic is over, but right now it's just Quincy and I'm very excited. I made little caterpillars that are in Pride flag colors and I'm giving them away for free. So if you want your Pride flag caterpillar. (laughs) I saw your caterpillars. I love those. They're really cute. They're really cute. (laughs) Very cute. Thank you so much, Danny. You're amazing. Please, 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 please check out Queer Ivy Art. I want to thank my honor sponsor, Michael Jacob Roskitz, of course. And just a friendly reminder to visit my Patreon page and become a patron of Queer Teen Podcast. $5 goes a long way. And you get a cute sticker when you become a member and plenty of other gifts as well. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio. Thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.